This is a Dauntless Media Collective podcast. Visit dauntless.fm for more content. We live in an era of unprecedented access to information, news, and media. But what happens when all that information leads you to suddenly realize you spent the majority of your childhood in a cult? Well, we can tell you. Join me, Jessica Goforth, and Kathleen Reynolds as we take you into the world of cult recovery after all the emotional, psychological, financial, and sexual abuse we experienced as part of Bill Gothard's Advanced Training Institute. On our podcast called Leaving the Village, we talk candidly about our journey out and interview other survivors whose experiences will boggle your mind. We also cover breaking news as scandals continue to rock the twisted world of IBLP. Subscribe to Leaving the Village today so you don't miss a single episode. If they want to talk about restoration and rebuilding, well, guess what? It's expensive to restore a building, to rebuild a church, and you are the church. Hillsong has done damage and needs to pay for repairs. And they've had no problem paying out severance packages for bad pastors and hush money to keep victims silent. So they should have no problem paying to restore you, to rebuild you, to rebuild me. I don't know how, but I think we should start submitting invoices to Hillsong, requesting tithes back, requesting coverage for therapy, requesting back pay for babysitting, for ghostwriting, for cleaning, for driving, for pastoring, for doing their jobs. Hillsong is filthy rich, and the filthy they deserve, they can keep that. But the rich, they need to give back. Hi, I'm Nate. I'm Gail. And this is Full Mutuality. Before we get into today's conversation, we have some exciting announcements to make. First, we've started a Patreon. If you enjoy what you hear from us and you'd like to support us, please visit patreon.com slash fullmutuality to become a patron. As a patron, you'll get some exclusive content, access to occasional live recording sessions, and a whole bunch of other stuff we have planned. But please be patient with us as this is still a work in progress. We're so grateful that you're listening, so don't feel obligated to give. But if you feel like our content is something you want to support, we would obviously welcome whatever you're willing to give. Our second announcement is that we have partnered with Jessica and Kathleen from the podcast Leaving the Village to create the Dauntless Media Collective. This collective is a network of podcasts created by and for exvangelicals and other cult survivors, providing content for people who are evolving beyond the beliefs that they were taught and are seeking to deconstruct and decolonize their faiths. We have a growing list of podcasts joining the network, so visit the website dauntless.fm to find more content like ours. Well, now that the announcements are out of the way, I am so excited and pumped for this week's episode. Uh, The topic's going to be a bit heavy, some trigger warnings off the bat, uh, spiritual abuse. If you haven't had a chance to check out the Hillsong Expose that just dropped, it's called Hillsong, a megachurch exposed Go check that out. Um, yeah. I guess if you want, if you want to listen to it after this podcast, we're not really going to spoil too much for you. Right. We kind of talk about you know uh, side stuff, um, and a lot of the stuff in the podcast has been breaking news already. You yeah. might already be aware, but you can the, find. The, so speaking of the documentary, uh, because we do talk about the documentary uh, a few times in the podcast, but we don't give like explicit. I don't recall us giving explicit instructions. Um, so if you're wondering where you can watch it, it's on Discovery Plus in the US, and I think it might be available in Canada as well. It isn't we'll a, stick it in the show notes. Yeah, so we'll stick a link in the show notes, but um, you can sign up for a free trial. I think it's seven days. Uh, totally worth it because, you know, it's a free trial. So uh, definitely go check out the documentary there. 
Um, if you're, it is a three hour long expose. It is, you know, get, get ready for it because it is quite intensive. And, uh, but it's an important documentary. I think most people have been playing these. These worship songs have been the backdrop to all of our evangelical churches, and I think it's important to know what's going on. So take the time to actually get informed and listen to that, and you will appreciate this episode all the more for the conversations that we're having about this yeah, whole topic. Yeah, absolutely. We're also going to be mentioning a Joshua Tree incident that happened as we talk about white supremacy in this episode and inside the deconstruction spaces. We're also going to just go to our show notes if you're not really sure and following where we're going with stuff. We tend to rabbit trail. That's how we roll. Mm. Just go into go into our show notes and we'll take you to the places to give you all the backdrops on everything so you can situate yourself into what we're talking about if you have no clue. Um, with that all out of the way... We're going to drop you right into our conversation, but I should probably say that when we do our recording software, there's always a countdown at the beginning when we have our guests on, and it goes like six, five, four, three, two, one. And so we're just going to start off giggling our heads off because it was like a flashback to Hillsong for both Janice and Nate. So without further ado, here you go. Right? Welcome to church. All <laughs> <laughs> <No>, right. <laughs> oh, jeez. We were watching the videos you put out about Hillsong, the oh one you did God. about Giving Sunday. That and- heart for this house thing. Ah, uh, that yeah. killed me. So the colonial many church. We were crying. It was. It was, oh, wow. You produce and write and do all your own stuff for that? Yeah. Yeah. You're talented. You are talented. The stuff that you put together is phenomenal. Okay. Before getting into the documentary, I had one complaint about the documentary. I'd love to hear what you thought of it because you were in it. But, like, after listening to so many of your things and seeing how just... The stuff you've been listening to your podcast, hearing your stories, knowing how involved you were for how long, for how much, how much information. I mean, your stuff focuses on Hillsong, not all of it, but part of it. You have your stuff dedicated to talking about that. I yeah. just thought you were, this is my one complaint about the documentary. I, I found overall was well done, but you were underutilized in this documentary. <laughs> you sat pretty on a bench. I'm like, the fiery Janice that I've come to see from all of her stuff is missing from this. You're like some tame, quiet, like... Yes, and this is where we walked around the corner, and this is, you know, and like, and I'm like, oh, you guys didn't ask her the meaty stuff. She's gone through some, and I guess that was one of the big things that I thought was, was Honestly, did you I know think, what they were going to come up with? What um, was like, be? I had no idea, like, what the edit was going to be. I would say everyone was underutilized, because I think, hmm. like, I, I didn't even think about it for myself, but I was thinking about um, Noemi, and oh yeah, like, they had Noemi in there, and I'm like, they didn't even... They didn't even touch on anything to do with, you know, homosexuality or the church's stance on that. Mm-hmm. And that's like her, not her whole storyline, but, you know, like that's that's what she was there to talk about. And so we didn't even really get any of that. So I'm like yeah. so much, so much just got left. Three left on hours the cutting room long floor. and they could only scratch the surface. Yeah. They left yeah. out so much with and, it, mm-hmm. and it's not like there was yeah. nothing in that three hour. There's lots of stuff about Hillsong. I was shocked that I had no, like I know Nate went to Hillsong and he's been telling me his Hillsong story. But like, I didn't realize they were signing NDAs at this Bible college. Like, there was wild stuff in there that I was like, what is going on? This is this cultish. Yeah. Like, this is really deep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't, so, 
But I, I do want to give us like a little like on ramp into the conversation. So um, our guest today is um, the Janice Lagata. <laughs> um, thank you so much for for coming and hanging out with us. I feel like uh, and this is an opportune moment. A uh, quick trigger warning for um, for for everyone. I'm about to use a Bible verse, but like. You're us running into you and your content was really for such a time as this. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah. it is an honor to come before the king. And, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. All yeah, right, so... We've just been diving right into your content lately. And and I think I stumbled upon it through Joe Luman's stuff uh, yeah. when she was dealing with a bunch of white nonsense with Joshua Tree. And I was like, what's going on with this story? And then, like, I clicked through her. her you know, she put all... If anyone's wondering what we're talking about, just go click Joe Luman's... Uh, she has it in her Instagram highlights. It's in one yeah. of them. Mm-hmm. I forget which one. But she does a good job of explaining what's happening. And you have done some great jobs on many podcasts of talking about that kind of stuff, about even in deconstruction circles, because that seems yeah. to be a theme of a lot of the stuff you're covering. But, like, how... That white supremacy culture that we have in evangelicalism is still it's still lingering on. It's yeah. still the nonsense is still there and it's it needs to be looked at. And yeah. that was that okay, I said that I was disappointed that the documentary was missing you in in terms of all that you have to offer, but they didn't even touch on any of that in mm. like the the inequality like you said, there was the homosexuality issue avoided, right. there was that. <laughs> right. And we talked about that. So like I'm saying so much got yeah, cut got out cut ended up on the cutting edit. floor. Yeah. So I let's um let's put our thoughts into kind of like a uh some categories cuz people are probably like, "Wait, what documentary? What are you all talking about?" What's the uh, Joshua so, thing? Where are you guys so, are all over the yeah, place. What's a hill song? What? What's a hill song? So let's back up. Let's start off. So Welcome our podcast Welcome to our podcast <laughs> of ADHD people yeah. rambling on. Yeah. <laughs> That's me and Nate. <laughs> so so um, let's let's start off. Janice, tell us a little bit about yourself, specifically in relationship to faith and religion. I kind of want to maybe give us a little bit of a narrative. So maybe some story time here. Um, your background. How did you and get then... sucked into the cult of Hillsong? <laughs> <laughs> I was I was primed for Hillsong, right? Like I, hmm. what do I say? I was born in California, but born for New York. So grew up in California. Um, Grew up in church, very Pentecostal, charismatic. Uh, church starts at 10. When it ends... Oh, yeah, that's... Pen- I have Pentecostal roots. That's what who I... Who knows? Yeah. Mm. Um, small, small church. At the time, I would have said a diverse. Like, I grew up with a black woman pastor. Mm. Um, but if you go, you know, a generation back, like all of our spiritual grandparents, you know, Kenneth Copeland... Kenneth Hagen, mm. like all of these, <laughs> all these these white villains white now, dudes. right? Like yeah. all these yeah. these old old white men. So that's that's the lineage, spiritual lineage I came from. Um, and we started using Hillsong music in yeah, like late nineties. Um, okay. I feel like that most was... evangelical churches are so familiar with Hillsong, and that's why it's so fascinating. Because we, I mean, the spread that it had, even an outside, my, my church wasn't Pentecostal. I mean, grew up Pentecostal, but then in my adult life, I wasn't in a Pentecostal church at all. It wasn't charismatic. And we used, Hill, like, everyone used Hillsong music. It was the worship music tracks to most evangelical churches. There's some that were, you know, yeah. doing their own music, and they were extra cool and making their own stuff, trying to replicate Hillsong, you know? But right. that was that was a benchmark, you know? It was yeah. like Hillsong music. 
Yeah. So so when and how did you end up in New York? So before before New York, um, I was in Australia. So I went went to the Bible College. Was I that ended the goal up, when you went to Australia was to go to Hillsong uh, oh, College? Oh, absolutely. That yeah. Because, mm. I mean, I thought I was going to, like, live and die in California. Even going going to Hillsong College, it was just supposed to be for a year, and then I was going to go back to California and, you know, go back to my old church and do whatever. Um, and then being at Hillsong for that first year, I knew I wanted to stay longer, and then I knew I could never go back to California. It was just like, oh, like, I feel like I've... You, you get into the Hillsong mold and like that culture and the way of doing mm-hmm. things. And it's like, oh, I cannot go back to, <laughs> you know, like I said, yeah. the services that could be two, three, four hours long. Like, right. Just the simple things like, oh, this is 90 minutes. You're in and out. You know what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. Things and like Hillsong that. I was like, college is not really like a Bible college. They're not teaching you the Bible there. They're teaching you Hillsong indoctrination, you I'm guessing. Yeah. Hillsong. Like you yeah. don't have a, do- a degree when you come out of there either. It's no. you. You go be a pastor at Hillsong. Yeah. Yeah. If. if that's, the, that's the best that's, that's you could the, hope for, right? Yeah. Like most people, most of the people that I was friends with who came from Hillsong College, they were not like the, the, the highest leadership ranks, quote unquote, that they were reaching were, you know, um, team leader for, you know, the, the sound engineering team or, right. uh, you know, connect group leader or leader of connect group leaders. You know, yeah. they weren't really, they weren't. They weren't on paid staff. Some of them might have been, but they were like low-level staff members who were getting eaten up by the uh, okay. You guys both were at Hillsong, both of you, and none of you were on paid staff, correct? No. And I feel like that's a thing with Hillsong. Like for people who don't are listening or starting to get into understanding Hillsong, one of the big things, and I think the documentary did a good job of touching on this, is the exploitation of volunteers. Like, oh, absolutely. We're, we're jumping all over the place but what did janice what was your involvement in terms of serving at hillsong like what was your like all the free labor <laughs> all the all the all the free labor so i mean so coming coming out of out of the college as a mm-hmm. you know success story oh yeah how'd you get um, from one to the other and then you were doing what <laughs> right so as part of my you know service volunteering in college um was being part of the stage managing team so then when the campus started in New York, they needed a stage manager. So I went straight to the top of that team. That was my, mm. you know, leading the stage managing team. So that was my So first. real quick, sorry, sorry to interrupt, but like, um, you know, if, if people are unaware of, of stage managing, um, what does that look like for somebody who's not, who's not aware of like the, um, the production side of things, live, live show production or the Hillsong world? Mm-hmm. So live show production, stage managing is a legit job. That's not what we were doing. I mean, we were mostly babysitting, babysitting pastors before they go on stage and when they come off Um, and moving things, moving things on and off the stage to bring in the pulpit out, taking it back, setting up the the merch, the things they're going to show during the announcements, making sure they have whatever the seat drops and things are, uh, making sure they have a water bottle before they go on, making sure the water bottle that they have on stage, that the top is unscrewed, like not all the way off, but That's it's unscrewed because yeah. it's, it's hard for them. You know, <laughs> you don't want to break a nail before that'd be distraught, distressing before getting on stage. You know, you just, be distracting oh. you from talking about the Lord. God, God forbid you hear a water bottle go click, click, click. <laughs> click, click, when click it, right. 
take everyone out of the moment. You guys have prepped everyone in worship, so like you gotta keep that going. You got so that's the thing. You're easing, easing the way, easing yeah. the way for the pastors. You can ease the way for the spirit. You know, so all things can can flow. Um. So yeah. So that was that was that was that was how I had any contact with Carl Lentz and how I got to. To know him, because I think you I were was, there from day one, right? Of like the launch of Hillsong NYC, if I'm not mistaken. Oh yeah. yeah, I was. I was there before the lenses. Before it, they even came in. Mm. Before it was even technically a Hillsong. Did you know that it was going might become one, or when you joined, joined, jumped into that group, or when I joined? I mean, I knew Reed Bogard, who we now know is all mm. types of villainous. Um, I knew he was one of Brian's boys. And so mm-hmm. I knew it would be Hillsong-ish, Hillsong affiliated, interrelated, yeah, affili- yeah. At, at least. And then, because um, we joined their connect group in like December, and then we know we know the Hillsong calendar, so we knew Vision Sunday yeah. was coming up. So we watched Vision Sunday, and that was when they announced, "Oh, there's going to be Hillsong New York." And as soon as they said they were coming to New York, I was like, "Oh, I bet this is going to be, mm. this is going to be that." And it started off something exciting for you, right? Like you were pumped to be a part of this. They're having Hillsong now in New York City. I just moved there. I was in it to win it. Mm. And like, yeah, these things you look back on now, you're like, oh, what a... First of all, the nerve of you, you literally just moved to New York and now you're going to join this church that is coming to New York. For what? Like people Mm. already live here. People like none of these people are from New York. We're coming in and we're bringing God to this. Yeah, like, yeah. You know, specific <laughs> brand of God, right? Like Hillsong right. is supposed. But I mean, the hype at that time. I feel like you know we look at it now in 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 hindsight, and it, we can see all the disaster that that's coming out. But like back then, it, I feel like a lot of people just. I mean, unassuming, right? People who joined, who volunteered, who gave their time, they were like, "This is a place that loves God. The music is really good. This is like." You know, nobody went in there thinking it's super unhealthy and horrible and, like, it's, you know, you're going to come out the other side super damaged from all of this. No one. Right, right. No one was in there like, I want to be in the documentary. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Just give it, give it a couple years and wait to see what comes out the other side of this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, how long into it, uh, where did things start to, to, like, just fall apart for you? How did that come about? I mean, honestly, I mean, there were issues from from day go. one. I mean, mm. to be... What was the most stark thing right off the get-go where you're like, ooh. Mm, so right like... right off the get-go, I think before before Carl and Laura even came, like, it was, it's it's bizarre. And sometimes I think about things and the way they happen, and I'm like, I feel like I'm making this up because these things are so, so almost, like, cartoonish. You're like, that couldn't have that You have to talk to real. someone else was there and, like, but, you remember that, right? Like, and they're like, yeah. And you're like, okay, we didn't imagine that. That was really that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So me and my friend, me and my friend Ajane, she, we both, she had come back from college earlier, but she was in New York. So we moved to the city at the same time, joined the Connect group at the same time. So, so yeah, so she's my confirmation for this. I'm like, that, that happened, right? But like, Reed and Jess, when it was their Connect group, and it's like they're building their little thing. And some of us knew they're from Hillsong, but like most people didn't have it. So they legit were having to do real work, you know, to attract people, to hold people. So just super, super friendly and like reaching out and how's your week and how can we help and blah, 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 whatever. Um, and so Jess had 
had gotten, not gotten me a job, but like gotten me an interview with the company she worked for. So Jess Bogart and I worked together for a little while, like in the secular world. And I remember our boss was, she was going to be away for a week. And like, I used to, I would usually come in at nine and the boss would come in at 10, but because she was going to be gone, I was going to be like covering the end of the day. So I had to, I was going to come in at 10. And so me and the boss talked about this, decided this, and Jess just wasn't in that conversation because why would she be like none of her business? So I come in at 10 when I'm supposed to, and Jess is like, oh, like you're late. What's going on? I'm like, no, I'm not late. Like we talked about, you know, whatever. So, and then I tweeted super, I was like, oh, don't you just love like when you come to work and get in trouble for something you didn't do? No names, no nothing, no whatever. And at the end of the day, Jess was like, oh, um, can we grab coffee? Can we, you know. Oh, no. Oh, boy. This um, is like code in evangelical <laughs> culture. Can we go out for coffee? No, it's a trap. Oh Don't go. <laughs> right. So, so this is like the switch had just been made. Like, this is going to be a hill song, whatever. Um, so we go to coffee and she's like, you know, that was, that was very, <laughs> it's very dishonoring. Um, you shouldn't have tweeted that. Wow. You know, dishonoring. And so I'm like, like... she's a queen or something. You honor right. that. Okay. I'm like, there were no... No names. There were no names. There were no anything. And this is this is my vibe. This is what I do. Like, I am who I am. And I have yeah. been. Like, I don't... This. So I was I was just kind of pushing back. And then she was like, you know, um, whenever... Whoever the new leadership, you know, comes for this new church, I'm still going to be your leader. Like, like, it was just this idea <sighs> wow. that... There's like a power structure hierarchy just power like immediately Mm. and and like as soon as it as soon as it became hillsong like there were no more it was like it was clear like this hierarchy is in place there's no Mm -hmm. more calls there's no more reaching out there's no more like that just ended and it was just immediately like no this is hillsong we are your leaders here are the rules and you know Mm. this is how it's gonna go and so even even me Kind of connecting with Carl was like an irritation to her because I kind of from that point on, I was like on her bad list. So she she would have never wanted us to like connect. And I remember she the one in one of your stories that stood in between you and let you know they're busy. Don't go talk to them. But like not realizing you knew Carl Lentz's mom from Bible school yep. and went to go. She's the one who ended up calling She's you over one. and putting Oof. egg on the face of yep. <laughs> that. Was, exactly. So she was the one who decided to like step in and be like, nope, you can't go past. You can't here's go the past. Impor- here's the important people behind this wall. And yeah. I get to decide. Who, yeah. Who's allowed. Yeah. Mm. So like, wow. so things like that from like, again, day one. These things were in place, but kind of like how we did in Bible college, right? When there would be issues and we would always just assume, assume the best of the people like right above the people right above us. Yeah. yeah, Right. Yeah. So I'd be like, okay, Jess and Reed are like this. A little off. They've got issues. They've got issues. But Carl and Laura, they they don't know. They don't know that they're like this. And I'm sure they would be different. Like these walls that are being put up. That's not always a, there's always a few bad apples, and then there's a few yeah. more bad apples, and then you realize, oh my gosh, yeah. it's like a whole yeah. train, like yeah. the whole thing. The trees run, the roots are like it's right. bearing the fruits of the roots. <laughs> right, it's like the cops, right? Ah, there's you know one oh, bad gosh. cop, right? right. But and, 
And we say that saying all the time and we forget the rest of right. It's just one bad apple. And he like, yeah. but finish the saying. Mm-hmm. One yeah. bad apple spoils <laughs> the whole spoils bunch. Spoils the whole bunch. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's usually this, there's the systemic stuff that go, that's going on that's creating, like what people are seeing, it's not coming for, out of out of thin air. It's not coming. I know me and Nate were having this conversation because like I was like, well, do you think New York – when the Carlin stuff broke, I'm like, do you think it's a, a New York situation? Like it's a New York culture, celebrity culture thing. And he's like, no, this is, this is the hell. This is from Brian Houston's sort of model. And like, this is the style of, but the you know whole- what? So, so I said that when the, the Carlin stuff dropped, but in 2017, I wouldn't have said that even though hmm. I walked away, I don't think my brain was ready to really acknowledge the fact that it was systemic. I was just sitting there going, the people that I'm in direct contact with, aside from the ones that I had become close friends with, which is hard to do in that environment, but there were a few people that I was able to do that with. Um, but a lot of the people who were um, directly above me were were problematic and I couldn't get around them and no one else was listening to me. But I kind of just chalked it up to... Um, you know, the barges are just blocking any contact I have with anyone outside of, of this environment. But it was after taking time away, after spending at least a year or so, that's when it started to dawn on me that this is top down. Right. And I think one of the first moments where I got a glimpse of that, but then tried to like, it was almost like a glitch in the matrix, you know, like, <laughs> oh, is that a, a, a black cat twice, right. you know, deja vu. Um but I, it didn't really hit me until after I left. But like, you know, something that kind of peeked through like the outside world trying to pry the curtain back was um, Prudential Center and going through that experience at conference. And so I my analysis of it was, oh, OK, once we get back to the Sunday to Sunday this will all be okay. It's it's this whole like it's Australia, it's it's global, whatever. But then like looking back, I'm like, what the fuck, Nate? It's Australia. They're replicating this shit everywhere. Therefore, if it starts there, they're they're sending it to New York, they're sending it to LA, they're sending it to Phoenix. It's happening everywhere. It's not just like, oh, it's Australia. That's isolated. No, because Australia is giving birth to these problems. And unpacking conference, Nate, what was the thing that – I mean, I asked you, what was your eye-opening moment? And you said conference to me when we were yeah. talking about this. What was it about conference that was like, ugh, ugh, I um, can't? <laughs> there, were, there were people there who um, – I, I don't want to say showed their true colors because I think that might be unfair because some of the people who I had the hardest time with were other volunteers – who were clawing for leadership, who were vying for positions. Um, and so they had kind of, I think, you know, they had, they had drunk the Kool-Aid and hadn't, um, I, I, I don't want to say it is entirely their fault, but they were certainly actors and they were, they wanted, um, power and authority. But one of the, the circumstances, and I think I mentioned this, um, on our episode with Lizeth, uh, was that during, um, during conference, you know, we have the different credentials and I saw the hierarchies. That's when it became stark because you had a whole, like, 200 some odd volunteers who were getting stuck with peanut butter and jelly, ham sandwiches or whatever. And I'm looking, I'm standing in this buffet line, like, you know, 
got bacon, got eggs, got like hot coffee. And I'm like, And you don't even know what's above you. Like, yeah. that's what you're getting. But wait until <laughs> you see what's you're behind right. another secret door right? up, yeah. of upper, upper people. <laughs> and and I remember, like, I remember the reaction after I misplaced my credential. Because I had access to that area. Like, God forbid somebody finds my credential and you Gets know behind that curtain and sees yeah. what's going on that they have <laughs> peanut butter it. and jelly and you are getting the good stuff <laughs> as if anybody even knew like they were all color coded to keep it all secret or whatever so you didn't right. know what like black meant versus white versus purple no one knew what these what these things meant um so like was somebody like was was a volunteer with a purple sticker gonna like pick up my you know black sticker so credential or whatever <laughs> and be like "Ooh, uh, let me let me see what doors this opens right <laughs> <laughs> is that bacon <laughs> <laughs> wow but yeah i think that was that was when it first it first because the reaction i got was was intense it it was so bad that and and from from the person that i reported to directly that um her um oversight had to take her aside and and basically say like this is not a good look you can't talk to people like this um and but then she reamed you up for yeah. losing your, your and card. then moved me to another uh to another uh direct report or uh, supervisor so that was that was that and i kept thinking after all of that went down i was that's when my mindset kind of turned into i'm here to protect those because I had teams that were pointing to me. I'm gonna yeah. protect my team members from the toxicity that's happening directly above I me. I feel right? like I yep. keep hearing that exact same story from anyone who is even people who are still at Hillsong. Like I hear that I'm here to be a buffer. And I remember doing that. I wasn't in Hillsong, I was in my own evangelical church, but I remember having that when I noticed things were off, having that same mentality that it couldn't leave because be the change is what we're told, right? Be the change you want to see. And if you want things to get better, then you need to be the one acting that way. But like, right. that's impossible to do if your top, top people don't like, you know, you can't change everyone above you. If Even if you're trying to make it a good environment. If the, Janice, were you feeling like you needed to protect people? Did you also have that stick around Absolutely. for? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. With my stage managing team and then with my connect group. Mm. And so like, Part of the reason I was finally free to seriously consider leaving was that I had stopped stopped taking new new people into my connect group, and you know people were going to school, getting married, or just moving away, and it's like okay, my core group is it's kind of dissipating. The people you'd that you had been building into and really like mentoring were were leaving, so they were leaving, so they were going to be fine. They didn't need my protection anymore, and I wasn't taking any more new people in. Mm. So I was like okay. That okay, was helpful I'm to done. you in terms of letting go. Yeah. Yeah. Because I could, like, I was like, oh, I can't, I can't start this cycle again. And then, yeah, right. have to stay, stay for more people. Yeah. What was for you, Janice, the point where you're like, I think this might be the point of no return? Or was it a little series of chipping away? Like, it was definitely did... a series. Mm -hmm. um, and just, yeah, just kept, kept going. And so for me, I mean, the issues that ultimately took me out were, we're race, race and gender. And just being like, mm. as finally realized, like as a black woman, like, oh, this is just not, this is not healthy for me. Like this space and what, what it's doing yeah. to me, what it says to me as a black woman. 
Um, I remember seeing some kids playing outside, um, little black kids, well, biracial kids, and brother and sister. And the brother had, like, knocked his sister's hat off, whatever. So I was just making a joke. And I was like, ah, like, hey, man, like, you never, you never, you never mess with a black woman's hair. Like, you know. And the little girl, she's like, I'm not black. Like, I'm brown. I'm not, I'm not black. I'm brown. And, and I was like, okay, this is nothing... This is nothing that like Hillsong specifically is doing, but there's nothing at Hillsong that is like refuting that. Yeah. And it was just like, oh, like I could never, oh, I would never want to raise a child in this. And if mm. I wouldn't want to raise somebody in this environment, like what am I doing here? What are you still doing here? Yeah. And, and it like, feels like some of the, like I, when I think of how, like I've been listening to your episodes and I, it's God is not given as your, po- as the podcast that deals with a lot of Hillsong stuff, which is, it's been great to listen to. It's a, an excellent resource. I think for I'm not an, I'm not, it was never a part of Hillsong, but even if you weren't, it's I think it's good commentary on evangelical culture. Like I think a lot of the Hillsong issues are things other people can definitely look at and introspect and go, yeah, we had these things too that were going on. Um, so like as I was listening to the different stories that you were telling, you know, a lot of that stuff was popping up. Things. So that's why in the documentary I was like, oh, I'm sad with knowing that was such a big piece of your story that they didn't touch on race at all. But I realized that it's a harder story to tell. Like you unpack it Mm. in a lot of episodes, but it's subtle. Like, you know, you gave an example. And there's something that you said that stuck with me when I was listening to one of your stories. It was like you were were interviewing someone and I think you and your guests were like, we could have been friends like before at Hillsong. And then you had that moment of, no, we couldn't have been friends at Hillsong. One, you guys, I I mean, I've heard from so many people, nobody got to make friends at Hillsong, at least not too deep because y'all were really busy, like, you know, working jobs and then working Hillsong for free at the same time, trying to make ends meet. Like it was hard to have the time really, even serving together wasn't really getting to know each other and so much busyness, so much. And then the comment that you made was like, if there, or I forget who said it. And the two of you was like, if there's one black woman on stage, the other one can't be on stage. It's like your token black person. So then you you guys see each other as competition, competition, which was like, like like I, like that's something as a white person, I guess I wouldn't have never noticed or it would be oblivious to me. Right. If I was in that environment and it's not a racism thing where you can be like, Haha, look what the pastor said and did. See, right. this is racism. It's something that you pick up when you watch how it affects everyone and impacts. And like, I feel like racism is one of those trickier things because it is through the impact. It is through, like, there was another comment about how there was never any couples that were involved in leadership where it was two black men nope. and women together. Like, there was no black couples. It was There's like no one couples. person was black who was in leadership, but they had a white or non-black partner. And it was like, why? You're asking the question, like, why is this? all of the people in leadership, like, why is there, and, like, you know, you could just write that off as a coincidence or whatever, but if you think a little bit harder on it, it is a sort of, it almost, that's a, that's a thing, that's a thing, and it's like, though, like you said, these things are so subtle, like, you can't, you bring it up, and then it's it's so easy to people. Oh, you don't like interracial relationships? No, that's not the point. That's, that's not, not what that is. That's no. not what that. That's not what this is about. You know. But it's how do you quantify something like that? Like how do you put that in a report and say this is this is problematic? And especially when they're turning it back on you all the time. Like in all these conversations with Carl, you know, it's it's not us. It's not us. We're just we're just doing what what God directs. You know, these are the people that God is choosing. This is the way the Lord is, is leading things. Yeah, this is 
We're just, we're just. God is always God. picking the white guys who all look exactly like you. He's just God. It just functions it's, this way. It's we, we don't setup. get it either. You know, Carl. I yeah, I'd like to change it too. But like, I don't know why God thinks this way. He has a fixation on these kind of guys. It's a little bit weird. <laughs> oh man. So let's just keep praying about it. You know. So you had Carl's ear somewhat, like you've known him since the beginning of Hillsong, and you guys chatted, you had conversations together. Did you did you ever pull him into those meetings and are like, hey, we, we need to discuss the topic of black people or women at Hillsong as a whole, and we need to sit down and have a, a conversation about this? Oh, like we had, <laughs> there were meetings, the, you know, the black, the black meeting. Is the black the- meeting? Yeah, there was, first there was the gay meeting. Um, I think that was in 20, 2015. Um, okay. And then in 2016, yeah, we had the black meeting. Um, Wait, that it something, it just feels wrong because, I mean, knowing Hillsong, it all feels wrong. It, but, but like. I so, wouldn't want to be in the gay meeting if I was a gay person because know, now right? they know who I am. And, well, the, yeah. gay, the gay meeting, how did I end up there? So it was, there was this whole thing with. Um, Josh, who was on Survivor. Oh, yeah. And then yeah, the Josh media Canfield. picked up on that, and they're like, oh, Hillsong has this gay choir director, which, like, <laughs> and Hillsong, like, that's not even a thing. Yeah. This isn't, like, his position, what he's doing is not, it's not that big right. a deal. Right. So, and Josh was obviously out, like. But to be clear, Hillsong was never announcing itself to be affirming, right? Like, right. it was never, no. never no. took an but affirming like, position. Josh was out, and they were letting Josh still still do things um and so then this blog comes out and then brian houston for whatever reason just like decides to respond to it and then he turns it and says oh like we didn't know the leadership didn't know and kind of put it on josh as if he you know had hidden this thing and now the church is having to deal with it so as josh's friend that's how i ended up at the meeting he's like hey we're gonna have this meeting and and talk about all this (laughs) because people are upset people people want some clarity right right so even in the meeting i remember carl making a joke because it was me uh mary jones i'm sure she wouldn't mind me saying she was there Mm. um and and carl made a joke because we were the only only women there Uh, he's like oh we have this meeting we you know forget to invite any lesbians um so it was just Mm. all Oof. All guys. Women all the way around are forgotten. Women of <laughs> right. color, mm. gay women, all the women. Just yeah. Right. Yeah. So we were only there because like Josh was our friend and had invited us, hey, come, you know, see what this is wow. all about. Um, and it was just basically like now to look back on it, like it was just, oh, so much, so much just gaslighting mm. and just trying, just always trying to tamp people down, right? Well, here's, you know, Carl and Joel, well, here, here's what Hillsong believes they never really said what they believe, you know, but this is this is the line we have to toe. But again, we're we're praying and hoping for things to change and we hope you guys will stay and help us be the change, right? right. It's interesting hearing that phrase cuz you know, we're like a they don't really provide room for any kind of change, right. but they give you morsels because they're constantly passing the buck. So whoever was actually responsible for this, we'll never know. Because the people who are responsible are constantly diverting our attention somewhere else. If it does, if it's not Carl, it's Brian. If it's not Brian, it's Joel. If it's not Joel, it's Laura. You know, it's always being pushed away. And then they can easily tell whoever they're talking to 
that, no, 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 you know, we need your voice because uh, we need to hear from you so that, you know, then it can like work its way up. And then, you know, some nebulous person in between is going to translate the message that you give them to that. Per- but you're talking to the person in between. You're talking to that person. Right. And they know what the issues are at the change. top and they're not really right. changing it. And they have the power to do so. Yeah. So yeah. the gay meeting, unsuccessful, clearly. The black meeting, I'm <laughs> guessing, is. So the black meeting, so the black meeting was because, I mean, 2016 was just rough. And it was so mm-hmm. much, um, you know, it was Alton Sterling and then Philando Castile. And then the election cycle was happening. So the black and meeting Donald was, Trump got elected in 2016, yeah. right? So it was, it was just before that because it was in like September, okay. October. Mm-hmm. Um, it was coming. <laughs> yeah, hmm. but but people were already, you know, oh, this is this leadership of this church, and a lot of y'all are showing your Republican asses right now. And like even Carl Lentz, like your parents are clearly very Republican. Like people are saying a lot of things that hmm. indicate they are going to vote for this man. And so that I have to is- fast forward. Trump was in a picture with which member was it? Was it? Brian Houston was Brian Houston. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 To, he I went to that White House. He went yeah. to the White House. Yeah, showing um, support. Yeah, showing their Republican yeah. asses. Yeah, even though they don't yeah. even live in the states. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's deep, right. right? He's in Australia, and he's like, I need to come support. Trump. I need to come. Ooh. Yeah, I need to be there. Um, so and and you know now I'm like, oh, I get you know we were all getting kind of restless, and there was just this growing, growing dissent, obviously. Yeah. Um. So we had, I was I was Carl's black whisperer right so he was like hey we want to have this meeting so give me a list of names and you know we're gonna we're gonna talk talk through stuff and so i had my list and i remember walking in and there were people who was like oh these are not the people on my list so carl has his list so he's he has his team invited from (laughs) (laughs) oh my god he has his he has his list i mean we'd kind of get a sense of what and i'm Uh, sure you yeah you can guess who was on that list (laughs) so so he has his team (laughs) And I have mine. And I remember thinking, "Oh God, like I hope, I hope people actually speak up. Like I hope, you know." And people did. Mm-hmm. And there was a moment when, you know, we're talking about, you know, the, 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 the there's no diversity. Like mm-hmm. you need. We have all these people. We have this wealth of people who can who can speak, who can preach, who can sing, who can do all these things. And they're not making it, you know, to the platform. And Carl's like, well, I don't want to just, you know, be throwing people up there, you know, as tokens. I think that would be insulting to you guys. No, we're telling you it wouldn't be. But, okay, you've decided. Whatever. <laughs> um, I just I just wanted to be organic. And I remember uh, we had a black civil rights attorney guy. And he said, well, it can be organic. Like, slavery wasn't organic. Right. Like, that mm-hmm. was, it was intentional, and you can't. Yeah. And it's not you like you're picking people, black people from outside Hillsong on the street and be like, hey, we want to bring you in. We don't know you, but like, we need black people, so we're going to tokenize you. We're talking about the church is full of people who are capable, who are black. Like, there's no need to tokenize because this is your right. group. This is your people. These yeah, are it's your not going to happen. We, yeah. we're, putting, we're, putting, we're putting the work in. You know, and I saw, I saw in a moment, I was like, no, I saw that light come on. And I know Carl, he got it in that mm. moment. Like, I know that he understood, which probably annoyed him. <laughs> <laughs> and so for the next. Did you have hope at that point? You're like, okay, he got it. He got the message. Just he, He's going to be convicted. Like, you know, clearly he's going to care enough. Seeing it clearly. 
So I think I think he's seen it. And for the next four weeks, three and to I'm four watching. weeks, you know, there were black people doing the offering messages. Um, and then it just, you know, the offering messages kind of kind of tapered off. And even for that, like there had to be not all, yeah. not everyone got picked. A few of us got picked. And then we had to go to like the special Saturday class where he's teaching us. Oh, whatever. my gosh. Like, meanwhile, I'm writing Josh kinds of sermons. Yeah. But okay, we talked come. about we're jumping by. I you were doing a lot at Hillsong. Like you were you were um you were stage managing, but you were ghostwriting the sermons for one of the past not getting paid, no name yeah. attached to this, no recognition. Right. They would never put you up on stage to preach it, even though you're capable enough to write it and for it to right. be sp- spoken out of his mouth. But it needs to right. be out of a different face than yours. <laughs> right. Someone that looks more like Harlan's for it to actually <laughs> impact the people, because that's God's favorite. That's yeah. That's, for God's I, for God's mysterious reasons, right? And you're running connect groups, so you're doing a lot, a lot of stuff in in the church. Okay, all yeah. right. I'm, I'm trying to like get the the picture of all the stuff that's happening, and you're so you're you're hoping there might be change, and then there's there's people doing the offerings, and it's not nothing is really, and then yeah, it just kind of stopped, and I mean I had already been on the fence, kind of I think. From maybe late 2015, I would have times where I would just be like, "Oh, okay, I'm tired. I don't want. I don't want to go to church." So I just wouldn't go for a couple mm-hmm. of weeks. But then I would miss it, and I would go back. And so in 2016, probably had a few of those phases. And then at the beginning of 2017, kind of the same. And then February, Black History Month. And I remember we had been talking. You know, okay, we're doing all this stuff, so we're gonna have a big. You know, Black History Month. Obviously, like we're we're well ahead of it. We can talk about it. We can plan some things. People had given ideas, and then none of it. We just didn't do anything. So the last week of wow. Black History Month, like that Friday, Carl calls me. He's like, "Hey, <laughs> can we do? Can we do like a? Can you do some kind of poetry thing? Can we have you know whatever?" So Friday night. So then I write this thing to perform on Sunday. So I do that, and then. <laughs> like never came back so I went and then I was just like tired that was your last time and you're like alright this is wow. exhausting this is I not- think maybe maybe I went the next week um, but like I was like oh, alright I'm just I'm just gonna take a yeah. couple weeks off and I just never missed it and so the next time I went was Mother's Day because uh, Mother's Day so a woman's gonna be speaking a woman so could finally speak at church oh my gosh okay when you were talking about I gotta cut this in really quick because my brain forgets things and then I remember it after but when you were talking about the meeting to help prepare I guess black people to speak mm-hmm. which is hilarious because I bet you white people spouted off nonsense all the time and were never trained for that garbage and they just throw whoever right like that's how right. it goes but then yeah. all of a sudden oh you guys are now going to be participating let's have a group meeting to it just flashed back when you talked about women speaking for Mother's Day I grew up in a lot of patriarchal churches and the last one evangelical patriarchal church it was in they finally made an announcement that women are going to be able to speak in the communion service like get up and share a word and what was funny (laughs) is i remember like sitting through listening to like kids practically talking that were because they were male and they were like rambling or old men it didn't really matter the age some people were like rambling off topic i didn't even know where they were going where the plane was going to land it was had nothing to do with communion like the resurrection or any of the stuff that was supposed to be centered on this service i it was just they were just happy to have people listening to them and this was the service where people could share a word you know from scripture or whatever and they finally decided 
the, the, the male leadership at the top was never going to go away. The preaching was always going to be male-led. But they were going to give this carrot to women where they could finally share a word in the breaking of red communion service. And before they did that, they needed to send out a pamphlet explaining in detail what kinds of sharing this is about and how to go about expressing your thoughts during the breaking. And I just remember reading that and being like, you know, you could have done this for the guys that have been sharing over the last, you know, I think they needed to understand what this service was about. But now that you have women coming in to speak, you need to let them know, you know, this is not teaching because women are not allowed to teach. This is sharing your heart, but it has to be relevant to the word. And it, like all the, the stuff that was in there. And then they even took, I, I don't think I've ever taken this much time to talk about my old church. I'm usually quiet, but like they even took the time to be like, um, explaining their previous position more than they even did their new one to explain why women weren't allowed before until now. And it was like, if you're really going to celebrate that women are making these progress forward, maybe don't take most more time to like express why you used to do it the other way and right. what that position was because you're moving forward, right? But it was like just that hesitation tool. Anyway, when you're talking about this meeting for like helping people to know how to go, I was just like, I remember that insulting feeling of reading through that paper and being like oh now we're explaining how this needs to be done (laughs) as if these guys were ever you know doing this before like it's yeah that's that sting sorry and i know i cut in and you were saying like that mother's day (laughs) was woman speaking (laughs) my friend is gonna speak oh so i'll go and this was my first time back and i was like oh yeah i do not i do not miss this um Mm. and that was that was when i decided okay i'm gonna leave but i didn't want to because everybody, right? Everybody just gets burnt out and leaves quietly, and they don't say anything. Yeah. And then Hillsong gets to say, "Well, nobody ever said anything, and we didn't know. We didn't know mm. these issues existed." Mm. So, like, so I'm not going to do that. So I'm going. So you decided to, to be a troublemaker, rebellious. <laughs> I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna say that I'm leaving, and I'm gonna tell you why, Carl Lentz. I want to you invite know. him to a meeting and sit him down. So invite I tried. Him out for I was coffee. Like, invite him out for <laughs> turn these tables around. We need to go for a coffee, girl. Did you? So I tried. You? I'm like, hey, hey, can we? Yeah, can we meet up? And he just would not, would not. Like he kept trying to like provoke. I was like, I don't want to do this over text. Like he wanted to know yeah. ahead of time, sort of what the. Oh, I hate when they do that. Like it's such. Yeah. A I mean, common, and he he knew he what knew. it was because we had, had some conversations before when he's, he's hoping oh, to get why? it out of the way through text or email and not have to look you in the face and have the discussion right which now i'm like oh these people are such cowards mm. like you can't i've put years in here and if you if you thought you were going to come out on top of this you would have met me in person no problem but right. like you know you're not going to win this one mm. so you just won't do it so he never did um so yeah, it was like through May through July, <laughs> he just kept avoiding it, wouldn't meet with me. Um, so then I finally was like, oh, well, forget it. Uh, my cat, my cat died. And then I was like, well, he's going to know I'm having a hard time with that. So he won't, he's going to be awful either way, but he won't be as awful. So let mm. me just go on and slip this in now too. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, right. I'm leaving. Um, and here's why. So I had my, my exit interview with, with Tulu. Mm. Um, and but both of them, you know, she relayed the message, and they're like, basically, just not taking me seriously. You'll be back. You're not. You're not gonna. They find. told you you'd be back. You're not gonna find. Yeah. What, you know, you're what not you're gonna find what you're out there. For. I feel like people not, do that when when people leave church. They're like, oh, you're never gonna find what you're looking for. Like that yeah. kind of a message of like, we're the we're the source of all good things you could possibly want, and 
you know, you're just a complainer. You're you what you're, whatever it is that you have a beef with, it's not legit. Right. Like it's that that gaslighting. Well, they say all this stuff, all this all this race stuff, all this gender stuff. Like we're we're doing better than anyone else on this stuff. Wow, they really believed that about themselves. About so. Meanwhile, hang on, women could not. If I'm not mistaken, the women, if there was a guitar, male guitarist on stage, this part, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. a woman could not also have her guitar in hand. Mm-hmm. On stage and play if there was a male guitarist at Hillsong, right? Yeah. 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 Like, Except Izzy, right? Izzy was like the only one. Yeah. Oh, there, I think there was like someone Izzy else. Izzy and Heather before her. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. Um, I th- and I think it was one of the twins that was told that they they couldn't bring their guitar anymore or something like that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. I mean, oh, we're, what doing, culture. we're doing so we're good just, with women. Look at that. Like <laughs> we're doing the best, not just good, the best. Oh, the You're best. not gonna find better, better out there. And you came else. from a church where you had women preachers before this. Like right. this is this is a step down from what you're used to, right? In that area, mm. but it's just an arrogance of like we're so amazing and we're yeah yeah. So you'll you'll be back. I and I actually told myself that as I was walking away, I told I told my team lead I need a break. Um, I'm doing a lot of stuff. I, I I started coaching hockey. I started a bunch of other little side projects and I'm like, I got too much on my plate. Um, so I'm going to back away. And it's, and I initially thought that, um, I would, I would come back in at some point with like a, a totally different, like an, a more manageable schedule. But it's funny how when you step away from it all, it suddenly like your, 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 your brain is able to deprogram. Um, oh man! Oh man! But I like, mean, like the the schedule was was insane. Was, Every night of the week, you were night. doing something, right? Like to look at it now, I'm like, oh my god, that's so strategic, and that's such yeah. cold behavior. Like, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. if you had just if you had just taken a break and had nothing to fill it, but it's like, oh no, you're doing other things and like meeting other people and like mm-hmm. engaging your brain in other ways. And yeah. You're like, oh. Like, you have something to compare it to. Right. And, yeah, the mind just starts to deprogram. It's like, like mm-hmm. your guests were on your on your podcast, Janice, were talking about having friends outside of church. And those were wake-up moments of seeing, like, how these relationships were better and, and healthier yeah. than what you could do yeah. inside a Hillsong when you're all worked so hard, right? And, and people aren't really getting to know you. And it's that sort of a, a vibe. I know when the pandemic started, like I was telling Nate, um, I am so excited that churches are being forced to close. I know there are places, yeah. the worst places all over the place that are like, keep going and pretending the pandemic wasn't real. Like they didn't get a break <laughs> from brainwashing because- Mark Driscoll. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> these things like, yeah, th- there's a lot of really like out there, wild churches that uh, that are living in some conspiracy theory land that I don't even know how anyone can reach through to that. Like it's, it, I can't even imagine how to start those conversations with anyone over on that that far 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 end but like for the ones who were acting like they cared about it or maybe did care about it who were in churches where you know they're in places where they shut down i was so excited because i know for myself it took a year out of church before like things started to really like come into the clear for me in terms of what was going on and you know the excuses that i made up for things became like things just started to fall away the scale started to fall with time out and i just in my heart i was this is before the pandemic i was like i wish everyone had to take 
take a sabbatical from church because then they could get a sense of what's brainwashing and what's not. Like every week you're right. going in and the music's communicating something to you and the messages are like there's a constant barrage. And if you're there multiple times a week, you're really you don't leave space for those other even to consider what those messages that they might be right. off. And for me, I was like, that was a way. And I wasn't the pandemic was was not my situation. It was before that. But when the pandemic hit, I was like, this is going to help so many people to have to force a force break that the pastors are not going to be happy. But I mean, I saw so many of them writing about the need for aunt to go online for sermons because, you know, that 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 (laughs) fear of like, how are we going to get this message across constantly into their ears so that they could stay and I don't think it was super successful in a lot of places to keep people like to I think a lot of deconstruction has begun with the pandemic that mm-hmm. wasn't happening yeah. before because people had a forced break and had to yeah. had to I would love to do an episode on just all the people who left over the pandemic yes. and how that caused them to start <laughs> thinking and like so much was going down at the time too that in society while the pandemic was happening to make people have to question like how's my pastor responding to black lives matter you know like yeah. even if it's an online servant how are they how are they addressing any of this or are they just skipping over the entire like I feel like a lot of people started deconstructing. I know I listened to the first episode of your podcast. I want to get into this um, a teaser. You quoted a tweet from Brian Houston, who was basically making fun of people who are walking away from church and saying that, and it's I was so, like I posted it on my page today and I was like, oh, looking back at this, this hasn't aged well at all from Brian because he's talking <laughs> about if your faith is going to be viable and if it's going to be strong, then these people clearly didn't have, a, uh, you know, a, didn't have a strong faith. And you look at him and you're like, well, is your, are you the benchmark, Brian? Like, you're deciding right. these people who walked away are are inferior Christians, but your faith is the one we should be. And we see all the stuff that, you know, clearly has come out since. And mm. so you started your podcast on that note and talking about your own faith journey of having to reexamine. And I wondered if you would share the title of your podcast and how that tied into what you were doing, because I thought it was really interesting and um, tied into a lot of the topic of deconstruction as a whole. Yeah, yeah. So the title of my podcast is God is Not Given. And and it came came from that, that verse, you know, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, of a sound mind. And for for at least a year, maybe more than that, like I just had this thought in the back of my head. It's like, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but I got this from somewhere. Like, because mm. I was like, no, so much of my life and so much of my faith is actually just really fear-based. Like, it's not about really leaning into anything it's like staying away from things and this is what i don't believe in and what i don't like and here's what i'm not doing and here's the reasons i'm afraid to do these things because of what might happen like i was like no i just feel like that's all i got given really was fear like no power no love no sound Mm. like these are all the things that were like attacked um so yeah so i was just like oh i feel like Basically, at the end of the day, like God, God has not given me this this religion, like this faith. I don't know what this is, but I don't think mm. this is. If God, and at that point, yeah, I still really, really believed in God and wanted to believe in in the Christian God. Like wanted to believe. No, if 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 God is all loving, all powerful, all knowing, I can believe that. But then it, I'm not seeing that here, and so yeah. it can't be. It can't I be liked, this. I liked something you'd said about how the math didn't add up. And I was like, yeah, those yeah. are, yeah. That's, you know, if it is this and this and this, how come that's not, it's just not working. It's mm-hmm. not at it's all. Not it's, just not it's, it's interesting to say that 
you know, uh, our our faith is not based on fear when the the crux of it is that you're going to spend eternity Roasting. in in fiery torment unless you believe X, Y, and Z. And, and everyone who doesn't believe so, what you do is going to... Right. Get- so how how can you not build a religion, a, a belief system, a faith on fear when right. your your operative principle is saving people from a fiery torment that they need to be afraid of? I think there's really no way around it. Um, if like if you really want to claim that your religion or your faith practice is all about love, you have to get rid of that belief in hell that has right. to go. Um, but then the, the, the crazy thing is once that goes, and this was, this is how it, it worked for me. Once that goes, then you can explore you know, everything, right? Right. But also, you can ask right. the questions cause you're not going right. to be burned in a fiery pit forever. Right. You can ask so, the hard stuff. <laughs> yeah. So for me, what ended up happening from there was the, the idea of who Jesus was started to unravel because if he didn't die on the cross to save me from uh, a fiery torment, then what was the whole purpose of this? And I think for me, where I've landed is um, his teachings, which ironically enough is not what most evangelical Christians actually adhere to. They don't right. follow his teachings. Um, he doesn't talk about gay people right. anywhere, nothing about no. abortion. Like all the, all the favorite topics right. are just nowhere to be found in Jesus' right. lips. Like they're just right. Not- and and he doesn't he doesn't talk about the things that right like you were saying gail the things that evangelicals love to talk about um but also a lot of their pet theologies and beliefs about god those aren't really talked about by jesus either they're talked about by paul to a degree but often that's like misreadings of what paul was was possibly saying some of it is misattributed because we don't really know if Paul wrote those things. Right. Um, oh my gosh! Then start things. to study how the Bible came together and what got Ooh, left out yeah. and which people were included in making those decisions. Mm-hmm. But it's all the Holy Spirit right. guiding everything. Yeah. We can't. We like. We just can't <laughs> question or look. Don't don't. I feel yeah. like once you start looking into the original languages or history or realizing that the Jewish people don't believe in hell and that's like that was. You'd yeah. think if that was a part of the whole thing. They would have right. known that they, before Christianity came along, you know. And like, if they would, it's very important. Be, it's very, very important. <laughs> important piece <laughs> right. of teaching in history to to know that that was, you know, um, yeah. It, you start studying all this stuff, and it's like everything starts to to pull apart. It's a scary process. Like, I, you have mm-hmm. a phrase that you've said a lot on your podcast. I don't know if you know what I'm referring to about deconstruction on how you've said it, Janice. But do you, you know where is, I'm going? Is it with that? that I um I wouldn't wish it on anyone, but I wish it for everyone. Yeah, mm. I've heard you say that a few times, and I was like, that's very well said, because it is a really, it's a courageous journey. Like, I think that was the part of the insulting part of Brian Houston's comment. I was like, wow, mm-hmm. like, the, uh, anyone who decides to walk away from all this fear, it is a hard, difficult, untangling, it's a sincere process, It's it shakes the way you see everything, it starts to, I mean... I was. I found it interesting. I was listening to the beginning of your podcast, uh, which I think started. You started it at a very interesting time because it was right before Carl Lenz scandal came out, and like you had planned an episode with someone, and you bumped it because you were like, "Okay, this just happened." I feel like that was predictive of like the recent stuff. It's just like you know you're going to do X Y Z, but it's Hillsong. There's going to be some new scandal popping up that you're going to have to bump everything to address. Like it's going to be the. It's going to never consult my schedule. Yeah, right. One one of my old one of my old uh, coworkers, um, 
Uh, she sent me a, a text. She, she didn't go to Hillsong or anything, but she knew that that was what I had s- escaped from. And uh, so she t- she sent me a text today. She's like, hey, did you see 5 a.m. this morning, New York Times? I'm like, well, got to read another Hillsong article. <laughs> There's always something new going on. You know, we thought we were just going to sit down and watch with our friends the Hillsong Expose, the three-hour-long one that you were in. And then there was the Brian Hill. Like, there's always some new some new craziness going on with Hillsong. Yeah. But, like, so I look I look at how your podcast started and some of the things you believed, said, spoke about, even with regard to Carl Lentz of, like, um, you know, he was one of the most genuine people you'd known and, and a friend. And then I listened, like, and that and that was, like, a year and a half. I think you're a year and a half into that podcast. And then, like, I listened mm-hmm. now and I'm like – I'm like in terms of just views shifting and you're like a lot can happen in a year and a half of being yeah. out and analyzing and right? Absolutely. Like you're in the um, documentary you called him a narcissist straight up. Like that was yeah. <laughs> that was like quoted from you. But like in the in like when you started your podcast, I mean, when the news about Carl broke, you didn't even know the details and you were like, you know, I have empathy. I under like I wouldn't I wish this it. on anyone. Yeah. You know? And I I still I still have I still have empathy for him. I mean, because I do think, is he a, a villain? Absolutely. Is he a victim? Absolutely. Is he more villain than victim? Yes. Um, and I think, I think maybe at the beginning, I was maybe giving him like 50-50. Um, and now I'd be like, oh, I mean, you're a grown ass man. So I'm going to make it 90-10. Like, yes, you were very much victimized by the system. You were created by the system. But then mm-hmm. you, you became it. Because even with Brian, with that tweet... I'm like, I, I, didn't know I mean, at this point, I like, it's so, it's so, it's evil to me. Cause I'm like, you're talking about people who've deconstructed and I think you've deconstructed. Like, I don't think you guys really believe this stuff. Like no. you can't, you can't no. believe in the hell that you're trying to sell people and behave the way that you do. Like mm-hmm. we were kept in check because we believe this stuff, right? Like it kept us from doing things and you guys are out here wilding. Like you're doing all the things <laughs> You can't believe in this. You start to learn all the different stuff that behind what's going on. And it's like, I can't view you in that same, give you that, all that benefit of the doubt that I started with after watching this and this and this and this happen in front of me. Yeah. 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 I I remember when it, when it first broke, I think I was thinking uh, along the same lines because there were these narratives that were kind of tossed around while I was at Hillsong and you probably heard them as well that like, oh, Carl's a bit of the black sheep and, you know, Brian's afraid of his popularity, which might have been true, but I think it it sounds like they all had very similar. It's it's both and. Oh, yeah. 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 Um, and, and, I, but I think there, there's, there's much more insidious, uh, it, it's, it's a much more insidious nature than that, than how we kind of perceived it while we were there. Cause we were looking at everything through rose colored glasses. Right. Um, and some of that hadn't quite come off. Um, even, even though I had been out of evangelicalism for three years at this point, um, when the Carl Lentz stuff broke, I, I wanted to believe that somebody on the inside was out to get him. Rather than believing um, there was something yeah. really off about him and his behavior. Right, and, right. And can that, I that just was add, so- his personality was such that people just felt the warm fuzzies for him. Is that accurate? Like, I didn't, I didn't have interactions yeah. with him. But he, yeah. he made people feel very comfortable around him. Yeah. 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 I remember um, one Sunday... You know, going up there to uh, to the green room, he had come in and, um, you know, my um, the service producer lead was, I guess, on vacation. So I was the one that were that was rostered and he made a surprise visit to Montclair. Um, 
And, and so I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm the one that's on. And they're, they're like, well, the service producer has to be in, in the room with Carl, but they had all these instructions suddenly. I'm like, how is, how is Carl? Like, I really was like, how is Carl any different from Matt or Josh or Kane, any of these guys? Why is it that like, I can be in a room with them, but I, but I have to go through this whole checklist thing to be in a room with Carl. Like, what is this? And then getting into that room, um, and sitting in that meeting going through it um, and feeling nervous because, oh, now I'm talking to Carl. And then him kind of acting totally different from what I expected and him being like, like um, knowing who, which was a bit like the fact that I was all excited that my pastor knew who I was. Yikes. <laughs> Yikes. You know, he remembered I met my a name. celebrity with he, my yeah. pastor. <laughs> He's the one yeah. who saw me. He, re- he remembered my name. He like, and of course, you know, like he knows my brother because he's dra- dragging my brother up on stage. He's like, I want that singer all the time. But anyway, um, but like then, then it, it's sort of, he created that personality of like, oh no, Carl actually is approachable. And the ones who are creating that distance between Carl and mm-hmm. us lowly volunteers were, you know, the drivers or the security and his, I think it was Luke that was always like floating around him that would be creating some of these distances. And that's how I perceived it the whole time I was there. When, when now having spent a few years out and even, even when the news dropped in 2020, that, that, perception of him still sort of existed in my brain and then taking some time to sort of look at you know take a step back look at the culture look at look how this is replicating itself um it comes from the top down he he's doing this on purpose you know he's creating a personality that makes himself um lovely to people but he's also telling his team to do these things to keep people at a distance this, yep. this is how it all... And I like, think it, in abusive cultures, down. this is... like and I, When we do this podcast and we cover all these different churches, one of the things that we want to people to realize is look for it in your own... Like, it's... It, this is... These are common tactics, right? Like, these mm-hmm. are... Yeah. So, the, the people going, I know my pastor. He's a, such a... Like, he's the nicest guy ever. Like, how many stories of abusive people that is... They have charismatic personalities. They feel like the most warmest, lovingest... Trust, like feeling someone is trustworthy is not evidence that they are trustworthy. Mm-hmm. That is often right. a characteristic of a narcissist. I'm not saying every nice person they're a narcissist, but like <laughs> that, it is hard to tell. It is yeah. so if you get deceived by your pastor, like I, right. I hate to say, don't feel stupid for it because everyone does, but it, it really is not you. Like you, this is how they project themselves. It is normal to that's how this works so effectively. Mm-hmm. Like they give off right. those approachable, yeah. loving, I care about you, I want to listen to what you have to say, you matter to me, you're so important to me, and then like, oh, it's this person that's really the problem. Right. But they've surrounded themselves by all those people to do their work for them. Janice continues her story on the next episode of the Full Mutuality Podcast. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app. And if you don't already have one, head over to our website, fullmutuality.com, for a list of all the apps you can find us on. We couldn't do this without you, our listeners. So thank you so much for your continued support. Speaking of support, one of the best things you can do for us is to head over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. I'm pretty sure five-star reviews get you an extra crown in heaven. Look, seriously, if you found this episode insightful, spread the word and share it with your friends. And don't forget to follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Full Mutuality. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Full Mutuality Podcast.